1: Hey guys, this is Casey Adams, host of Rise of the Young. And if you want to learn how to connect with world-class people, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chapel, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, If you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I am sitting down with Casey Adams. Casey is a 20-year-old best-selling author, entrepreneur, and public speaker who's been able to turn his negative situation into a positive outcome. After almost becoming paralyzed during a football injury, Casey was able to start his journey by looking at ways to leverage social media and build a personal brand, while still in high school, by the way. Casey now runs a top 50 business podcast known as The Rise of the Young and has interviewed some of the world's most successful Entrepreneurs, which we're going to talk about today. Casey has spoken on stage all over the world on the power of building a personal brand on social media and has been recognized by some of the largest business publications in the world. Guys, it's going to be such a great conversation. Casey and I have been connected for a couple of years, but we haven't actually like talked in a really, really, really long time. and We haven't done each other's shows before. So we kind of reached out recently and, and made this happen. It's going to be a really great conversation. Can't wait for you to tune in. But first, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur and you know the importance of starting a podcast, you know what a podcast could do for your business, the credibility, the authority that it could bring, the business, the customers that it can bring. You just don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure it all out. And let me and my team build that for you. Head over to Travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we would be a good fit to build out a show for you. That way you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. We can focus on what we're good at, which is building world class podcasts. That is Travischapel.com slash make my podcast. Casey, what's up, bro?
1: What's going on, Travis? Thanks so much
0: for bringing me on today. Yes, sir. Happy to have you, man. So usually when I'm on these interviews, bro, I always start uh, by telling the guest, hey, let's take it way back, like all the way back. And so for you, that's not going to be that far back <laughs> uh, because you're only 20. Nope. But uh, that's also an awesome, awesome place to be because uh, that means that story is really interesting. So let's do take it back. All right. Let's talk like middle school, Casey, 12, 13 years old. Talk to me about, you know, parents, family life, school. Did you like it? Did you just like it? Sports? What were you up to at that time?
1: Yeah, man. So, well, first off, thanks so much for bringing me on. I love your show. I love everything you're doing and for me too. There's a lot of alignment with podcasting, and I've had my show for years now. But yeah, I'm 20 years old now, and five years ago, like you said during the intro, I was almost paralyzed playing football. I was 15 years old, and even prior to that, going back to your question, in middle school, when I was you know 12, 13 years old, I've always been an athlete my entire life. When I was three years old, I picked up a hockey stick and hockey skates, and ended up playing hockey for 10 years, traveling all up and down the East Coast, played for the state of Virginia, and growing up, like sports was my outlet. You know. It it built my character and built the way I think about the world when it comes to leadership and team building and listening to coaches. And now if you look back, it's like mentors in a sense. And I have two older brothers. They're both older than me. I'm the youngest of three. My parents, I've always had a Great upbringing in the sense of my parents were married. They they always did their best to provide for my family. My mom was a stay at home mom, just babysitter growing up, and my dad just worked at Philip Morris, which is a, you know, one of the largest tobacco manufacturers in the world, just in terms of just a factory job. And I never, I didn't grow up with much. You know, my mom makes eighteen grand a year, and it really taught me about the little things in life, and you know how to embrace just what you have. I didn't grow up in a place where I need more and more and more and more. I was always grateful for what I had, whether that's to play hockey or to go on a trip to the beach, right? But I think in looking back, it was totally on point is I did things quicker than a lot of people around me because my brother, one was two years older than me, one was four years older than me. And I was always catching up, right? I was three years old, my brother was seven, and I was trying to play hockey with him and learn how to skate. and just They were my influences, right? And my environment really made me learn a lot of things faster and I would say grow up quicker, right? When I was 12, 13 years old, I was playing hockey with a bunch of 16-year-olds. So just going back to to answer the question directly, sports was a huge component of my life. And growing up in a small town in Virginia, I didn't travel at all, go on a plane, travel to the West Coast until I paid for the plane ticket myself. So I never experienced that worldly travel, you know, lifestyle in any sense. You know, my parents weren't in business. They were just people that worked their butts off and provided to make a great childhood for myself. And I'm super grateful for that. But there's a lot of takeaways from that. Now looking back, I can see the, the, the great things they taught me, but also I've been able to, you know, like you said at the beginning, have a lot of key mentors in my life that have taught me a different perspective on the world that I'm super excited to share today.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed Yeah, man. So talk to me, you're 15 years old, you said you almost get paralyzed. And this was a big life changing moment that happens for you, right? So can you just walk us through quickly what the story was, but uh, spend a little bit more time about like your decision making process after that happened?
1: I was a sophomore in high school and going into high school, like my trajectory for everyone that's listening now, I think, you know, following me on social media versus my trajectory is two different things. I was 15 years old, I was going into high school, expecting to go to University of Virginia. I was going to potentially play lacrosse. I was always been a great student taking great, you know, taking school seriously. And it was sophomore year where I was getting ready for the football season. I was preparing all summer, you know, working out and doing two a days. And we had a very high class like football association at our school where the first day of hitting practice, which is, you know, the day where everyone puts on their pads in the locker room, they're getting excited. You're about to go actually play some football. Right. And It was one of those days that I'll never forget because there was so much excitement and passion and energy. But it was one of back then the quote unquote worst days of my life that turned into the pivoting point for me. And I remember going down to the football field, getting in a giant circle, and there was this drill called the B drill, which is the coach randomly picks two people, right? He points at someone, points at the other person. They have to come in the middle, lay down on their back. And as soon as the whistle blows, you pop up and it's, can you take your opponent to the ground as quick as possible? Like that is the drill. And it was, you know, so high energy. So long story short, I get caught out. This other, you know, player on the team gets caught out. We go at it. And as I was sort of bringing him to the ground, he did like a spin move on me, which caused my helmet. It was a little bit too loose. I didn't know that at the time where it sort of tilted up against my neck and my chin strap went up to like my nose area And I ended up smashing my head on the ground, which impacted my neck. And it was one of those injuries that I'll get into, but I wasn't rushed to the hospital. It wasn't an instantaneous thing where I was, you know, almost paralyzed, like you said. But I knew something was wrong and there was excruciating pain. I had to stop practice. They had to come over and check if I was okay. And I couldn't really move my head back and forth. And it was the worst pain I've ever felt, period. Period. But long story short, I wake up the next morning, you know, expecting that injury to be something where it hurts today, maybe tomorrow, but I'll be fine. I'll go back to practice and, you know, our game, our first games next week. And I think this there's a lot to this story because I learned in that situation to expect the unexpected. And I wake up the next morning, I cannot move my head at all. I feel like someone has completely, before that, put a neck brace on me and I couldn't even turn my head. It, it's, like I said, the most uncomfortable interesting situation I've ever had to deal with. So my mom ends up taking me to the doctor right away. We go there and still I'm this optimistic 15 year old kid that loves playing sports. I'm expecting to do some x-rays, you know, maybe take a week off and I'm good. Do some x-rays. I'm sitting in the room, doctor walks in and he says, I have some good news for you and I have some bad news. The good news is you're not paralyzed and you can walk. And the bad news is you have to wear this neck brace for at least I would say the next six months and you can never play football again in your life throughout these next four years due to the instability of your spine. And he said it like that, you know, straight up direct, didn't sugarcoat it. And I remember hearing that and I genuinely did not believe it, right? I did not believe the words he was saying. I rejected it. I told him that's not true. And I became the victim at the end of the day, right? I I became the victim of my own situation. And long story short, I remember walking out of the the doctor that day, and that was the day that my life changed, period. How I think about the world, how it was the lowest point of my life. And from that day forward, back then, I thought my life was over. I had to create this whole new identity that I once lived, which was sports, which is being a part of a team. And I was, you know, a freshman in high school expecting the next four years of my life playing football to be the best four years. And that wasn't the case, but looking back and which we'll get into is just during those six months in a neck brace, I had some really life changing moments where I came across, you know, personal development and mentors and started learning about social media and we'll get into that but it was for sure the pivoting moment. If that didn't happen in my life, I genuinely don't know where I would be because in that time, my trajectory was, hey, I want to go to college and that's what I plan on doing. My brothers went to college and they dropped out and I was the one of three brothers that had great grades. I was taking it seriously and I could have went to any school I wanted because I was dedicated to anything that I was doing, whether that was school or grades and now business and podcasting. I was always dedicated, but it was a blessing in disguise looking back and I'm super grateful for it.
0: Very much in disguise. Yeah. Cause (laughs) uh, uh, I I was similar in high school, played sports all the time. But I seem to be riddled with injuries, you know what I mean? And so there was so many conversations with doctors like the one that you had, but never one where they told me I would never be able to play again. Just one where it was like, yeah, you're not going to play the rest of the season. You know what I mean? Like important seasons that you want to play. And uh, that's never, 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 never a fun conversation. But especially when they're like, yeah, no, you can't play now and the rest of your high school career. Which like at the time is so devastating because it's like the only thing that you really care about. You know what I mean? Like it's just like... want to do. And uh, and you know, now you can't do it. So explain to me what happened now over the next few months. I'm assuming the first few weeks were probably the darkest uh, place to be and then kind of gradually getting better from there. At what point were you like, let's try this business thing out?
1: Yeah. When I got injured, I believe it was August, 2015. And this was, you know, going into sophomore year of high school and school started in September. Right. And I think this is a a very important part of the story where going into sophomore year of high school, I'm going to school now having to wear this neck brace. Right. And and I was always a confident, very self-aware growing up. But now I'm in school, I have to wear this neck brace. It's like impossible to look down at my desk when I'm walking down the hallway. If someone wants my attention, I have to do a full 360 to say hello. Like there was just so many uncomfortable situations that I had to deal with which taught me a lot about who I am and dealing with things that I can't control because I had to wear that neck brace I had to sleep in it I had to eat in it, I had to do everything but it was during that time and I think this is a very key moment and I think it really relates to right now during this whole quarantine where I now had time that I didn't have before to do other things because prior to that I was going to school or you know in the summer waking up going to football practice doing two a days having you know lunch, dinner with the family and having my brothers around me and then going to sleep and doing it again. And same thing when school started, you wake up, you go to school, you go to football practice, you come home to your homework and you go to sleep. So like my time was completely filled up. And looking back, since I was in this neck race and had this injury, I had a free schedule where I didn't know what to do with my time. So that led me to social media and watching YouTube videos. And as a kid that was on social media for no business purposes, but just to scroll and be entertained, I started doing that more. And I remember one of the key, I would say, mentors in my life that I didn't know at the time was someone that I'm sure you know, Ty Lopez, right? And a very controversial name. But back then, that was when he was doing the most advertising and being the most out there, period. Now he's, you know, buying Pier 1 and making some big moves. But Ty Lopez, he was running all these ads about health, wealth, love, and happiness. And one of the things that stuck out to me was just happiness because I was pissed off. I was upset. I was angry and just resentful to my parents, to my brothers. And I was, like I said, I was playing the victim. And I ended up clicking on his ad and he's promoting this, I guess you could call it a course called the 67 steps, which is 67 days to create a new habit, talking about health, wealth, love, and happiness and experiences that he learned from his mentors. And me just being someone that's open-minded. And I think that's a very key quality in anyone that gets ahead in life is having that open mind to say yes to things that you may not know the outcome of. So I said, yes, my buddy and I at the time, we like split the cost 30 bucks each and we, long story short, we started investing into ourselves and learning all these different fundamentals and foundations of success. And he's recommending books. And I'm following Ty as like the first person that I'm sure your audience would relate to that really changes your perspective. And then once you follow Ty, I hear about Gary Vaynerchuk and Andy Versella and Grant Cardone and all these you know, like high-level entrepreneurs in the space that are building just such big personal brands. And one of the people early on that really caught my attention, which I know we have mutual friends with, is Caleb Maddox. Right? He was 14 at the time; I was 15. He was spreading books, speaking on stage, just crushing life. And I instantly just became obsessed with this culture of entrepreneurs and social media and self-education. But it was definitely a you know a three-month process of being depressed and not knowing what I wanted to do with my time to now becoming obsessed with taking notes and reading books and watching YouTube videos and just learning these new skill sets. But at the time I didn't I didn't know where to put my energy until I started learning Facebook advertising and viral video marketing. And since that moment, I dedicated my time to also building a personal brand, which has been very important to me throughout these last three, four years, which is just the digital representation of yourself online. And it was going in towards the beginning of 2016, which was the year I would say for me of 2016, which was just full personal development, growth, and rewiring my brain to think a completely different way. Where I'm now questioning college. I'm now questioning what school's teaching me. I'm questioning what my parents are teaching me. And it was just this epiphany of, okay, what do I want my life to be? And from that moment, I then started making these decisions about what I wanted my future to look like. And it was, you know, one thing led to the next, which we'll get into, but it was during that process where my mind just got rewired and it's something you can't undo, you know?
0: When you said you started with your personal brand stuff, was this just like post an inspirational quote on Instagram? Like what exactly were you doing? And how long did you do that thing until yep. people really started realizing like, oh, there's something something cool about this kid?
1: Yeah. So it was first a lot of Snapchat and Instagram. Back then I was doing a lot on Snapchat and I, I still now recently have navigated to Snapchat when it comes to just posting daily. And But back then it was Snapchat. I was going on these different forums and adding, there was like this app called Ghost Codes where you could add a bunch of people in different niches and add them on Snapchat and they would add you back. And I built up this little following of just, here's what it was, book reviews. Because I was reading a lot of books. I understood where I wasn't successful. I haven't started a company. I was just genuinely documenting my journey because this was what Carrie Vanderchuk was talking about, right? Documenting your journey, creating content. And I was never trying to be someone that I wasn't. I was just trying to document the current reality of me. I was wearing my neck brace. I was, you know, talking about my experience as someone that's in high school and the books I'm reading and regurgitating the information in my own way of these high level people to a, uh, you know, a hundred people on Snapchat. And I just became obsessed with that. And I just, Like I said earlier, I was so open-minded to what these people were talking about, someone like Gary Vaynerchuk, where I picked up the book, Crush It, and then Crushing It. And I became obsessed with just the process of building a personal brand. But like I said, from the start, it was book reviews. It was turning that 100... small group of people on Snapchat to a thousand and then getting into affiliate marketing and figuring out ways to monetize where I didn't have to work at the local pizza shop in my hometown. And then learning Facebook ads where I can sell this as a service to small businesses in my local community to my dentist or my doctor or whatever it was. It was definitely a progression from, hey, content, content, content to how can I monetize this but always which is still to my roots today which is building my personal brand because that's something you have forever you can attach it to any new business venture that you have and it's definitely it's uh it's opened up a lot of doors which we'll get into but personal branding was the thing that I really attached to and I'm super grateful for it from day 1
0: yeah huge huge lessons in here man first off the thing that you said about you didn't know much about the space like you weren't trying to be somebody that you're not you were just regurgitating information that you heard from people. This is why I think content creation is so cool because you don't have to be the expert. That's another limiting belief people have in their mind about starting with a podcast or getting started on Instagram or Facebook or wherever your platform of choice is, right? Is Mm -hmm. that they feel like they have to be the expert. And it's good that they're by the way, it's good that you're thinking this because some people don't have that thing inside of them that says I shouldn't talk about something that I'm not an expert in. And that's when you have all the fake it till you make it, the rented Lambos and all those types of people, which are not people that I resonate with at all. And it sounds like you don't either. So like there's a ton of those people out there, right? The fake it till you make it ones that are like, yeah, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm going to tell you I'm an expert speak- and I'm going to you know, have this Lambo behind me to make me look like an expert so I can take your money and become an expert in taking your money. Like that's just called being a con man, right? Um, so you, I started the same way. I wasn't starting as the expert. You weren't starting as the expert. You're just like, hey, look, I'm just like a 16 year old kid with a neck brace that's learning some really awesome things and I want to share them with people. So like, yeah. let me start doing that. You know what I mean? And like book reviews on Snapchat, so simple so simple but something that was digestible consumable for other people to learn and then something that's allowed you to start slowly building that audience and getting people to actually listen to what you had to say. So I love hearing those stories because it proves that you don't have, you don't have to wear that expert hat when you first get started. Like there's still ways to provide really quality content without being the expert that's being featured in that content, which for me was interviewing. That's why I went like three episodes a week, three interviews every single week. I didn't do any solo stuff. I didn't ever talk myself. I asked a ton of questions and I never really like gave too much commentary because I was just getting started and I didn't have much to say. But I was listening like crazy and learning like crazy and growing like crazy, which sounds like you were doing the exact same thing so I wanted to, to touch on that for a second. So now let's let's take it into like phase two. So that kind of to me sounds like phase one. Let's get like dip your toe in, get started. Yeah. But then you start getting some recognition. You start getting some people with money that are like, hey, maybe we could work together. So touch me about the, the next you know year or two after that.
1: Yes yeah, 2016 like you know that whole year leading towards the end of the year was like I said phase one building that foundation understanding how Instagram works and understanding what a personal brand is where towards the tail end of 2016, you know, I was investing in some ads and doing some shout out for shout outs and trying to like build my audience any way I could where towards the end of 2016 that's when I really started just I would say networking on social media you know asking reaching out to people how can I be of value and just utilizing the strategies that I'm learning from I would say someone like Gary Vaynerchuk which is give 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 and then ask when it makes sense and I still live that truth to this day but that's when I came across Caleb Maddox who's still a great friend of mine he lives out here in Arizona now and we started talking and I'm like dude I'm 15 you're 14 how have you written seven books, you're speaking on stage with Tony Robbins and Gary Vaynerchuk and you've made hundreds and thousands of dollars. Like what are you doing and how did you do that? And he's talking about how he's a part of all these different speaker circuits and how his, you know, his dad had him reading books since the age of 10, 11, where I saw him speaking at these events and I'm like, okay, how can I get out of my comfort zone, which is this small bubble in Richmond, Virginia, where as I'm going through high school and years turn into, you know, sophomore year to junior year, all my friends are getting into drugs and partying and my older brothers aren't the best influences in my life. But on the flip side, I'm reading all of this information about how to stay away from people and you are the average of five people you associate with. So I really went to just to build myself. I, I wouldn't say I cut everyone off, but I really took a step back from doing things that weren't moving me forward. And that's what I became just obsessed with is this improvement in self growth and completing that book or, you know, reaching out to someone and getting that response. But to move into phase two, it was the end of 2016. And this is what I truly believe is can separate anyone where if someone throws an opportunity at you, you can either accept it, or say no, because you're uncomfortable. And Caleb Maddox, he said, hey, man, I'm speaking at an event in January 2017 in San Diego, California. They have this young entrepreneur panel. I'd love for you to come out and speak. And this, you know, he said that so just normal. And I've never been to California. I've never been on an airplane. I'm like, this sounds insane. And he's someone that I trusted. He, you know, he was verified on Instagram. He's putting out all this content. He's connected with different people. I'm Like, yeah, this is someone I can trust. So we talk and he's like, yeah, man, like, they're not going to pay for your flight. They'll comp your hotel. But I I pitched it to the guy. Shout out to Jason. He's someone that I still speak at his event every year out in San Diego called Epic Mastermind. And he's like, yeah, man, come out. So at the time, you know, I started making some money affiliate marketing that year, like selling these email softwares and just, you know, trying to figure out how I can make 20 bucks, 50 bucks doing affiliate marketing. And, you know, I saved up a couple thousand dollars and this was the sell to my parents. I was like, mom, dad, I got invited to speak at this event in San Diego. I want to go. Will you guys come with me or like, can we make this happen? And both my parents, they same thing. They've never been to California. They haven't flown in a plane since their anniversary 30 years ago. So they, like, we did not travel at all growing up. And the thought of going to California was like traveling to China to them. Right. So I'm over here and the instant reaction is just no scam like no it's fake right like the instant just that's not a a real thing you could do and I sort of said this to my dad I was like okay well what if I pay for your flight and he's like well you know that could be cool sure so I didn't even tell him I was booking it I'd go upstairs in my room find the cheapest flights, book two flights it was like 1500 bucks or 1300 bucks and this was like october november when this happened and then we fly out to san diego january 2017 first time ever going to california that's where i met some key people in my life caleb maddox gerard adams dan fleshman and all these people that back then i had no idea who these people were really it was just people that i saw on social media but now looking back they've been very key relationships in my life that have opened up so many doors and that was a huge moment for me and i think you know, just looking back, it's a, it's, it's a small moment in time that was very important because I was at this event and I was meeting all these people and I had to introduce myself and I was following different people on social media and I spoke on stage. Like, excuse me, there's so many barriers that I was just breaking through in my mind where I left that event. And it was just two days event, two nights, very quick. I had to go back to school on Monday. I get back that one night and this is what I decided to do. And, you know, I had no following really at the time. Like, couple thousand followers here and there, I decided to reach out to Ty Lopez. And I was like, hey, Ty, eight months ago, I was in a neck brace, super depressed, not sure what I wanted to do with my life. I ended up getting involved with one of your programs. You know, I've made some money here with affiliate marketing and starting a social media agency. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for educating me into these new topics. And long story short, I sent him a message, which is very important, just to say thank you. And I believe that's something people don't do enough because I was not asking for anything, but just to show him how much I appreciate what he's done for me without even, you know, knowing. And I wasn't expecting a response. <laughs> Long story short, he hits me back probably 10 minutes later and I'm back home the night I got back from San Diego. And I told him I spoke at this event. I met Dan Fleshman and these people that, you know, I was name dropping people that he knew based on what I could see. And he gets back to me and like, How old are you? Like, how long were you in my program? How has it changed your life? He just starts like asking me questions, and I'm like, Oh my god! Ty Lopez hit me back in the DMs. I'm responding to him. He says, "Text me. You should come out to LA and shoot a video with me." And I'm like, What is is this? The real Ty Lopez account? Fast forward, I get a text the next morning from Ty Lopez's team. And two weeks later, I'm now flying out to LA, all expenses paid. He flies out my mom and I, because I'm like, hey, Ty, I'm 16. I got to come out there with my mom if you're serious about this, because whatever. And he's like, totally, boom. First time going to LA, that's where I meet Ty. He brings me to his house. He's giving me shout outs on social media. We do this interview where he's like, you know, like using me as a case study, being transparent. but. My mom went out to LA and she got to see like this new journey that I'm on. And it became real for my parents because I always tell people the hardest sale I've ever had to make is my parents on letting me travel and letting me travel alone and going to different events. And it was that momentum started really carrying forward in 2017 where I met, you know, a couple of people at Ty's house where a month later, they're like, Hey, we have this event. You should come out here. So just to, you know, speed the process up. The entire year of 2017, I was dedicated where every month or every other month to go to California, to go to an event, whether that's something that Dan was having or someone else had a little small event pop up on a Saturday. I didn't care how big or small it was. I was just dedicated and became obsessed with traveling to meet new people, to get, getting out of my comfort zone. Where during junior year, I missed like 60 days of school. And I just told my parents, I was like, hey, I'm going all in on this. There's no other option. I'm not sure if I'm going to college. And there was a lot of, hard conversations there. But I think the most important thing that really speaks for, you know, where I am today is there was never a plan B, there was never, a, uh, uh, I'm, I might go to that event, it was you hear about something, it sounds right, I'm open minded, I'm doing it. And I invested a lot of time, money, and effort into traveling, meeting people, but not just online. And I always talk about, you know, the value of networking online, but actually getting out there and shaking hands and seeing people face to face and showing up to six events and seeing the same people. It really does enhance your network. And I'm sure you can speak to that, through know, being a part of the 100 million mastermind experience and all those type of things. It completely changed my perspective where towards the end of 2017, Dan always told me, he's like, you can go to events, And you can host events, but if you do both, your network will grow faster than you can ever imagine. So I'm like thinking to myself, how can I host an event? And it was during that time where um, it was just super key where I met my roommate now and business partners Kieran and Jeff that were actually from Virginia. Jeff was this YouTuber called JR Garage. He's 21 years old now, but he had this video go viral. It was driving my Lamborghini to high school at 17. And he's been a numismatist since he was 11, selling rare coins and collectibles. And I followed him on YouTube for years. He had over a million subscribers and he was like, you know, an hour north of me back home where we became really good friends and started traveling together. So it wasn't that I was just traveling alone. I had this community and this core group of friends that I was traveling with and experiencing these events with, where we decided to ask ourselves, like, hey, how can we host an event and bring people together in our network with a couple of influencers that we've met and business owners and, you know, people on social media. So towards the end of 2017, we decided to get an Airbnb in los angeles and bring together people just to create a networking event and we had it over like 150 people show up the founder of myspace dan fleshman came by and some of our youtube friends like who man who has 10 million subscribers now and just we created this culture and we tried to repeat that because yes we were t- like losing money we were charging like 25 50 bucks a ticket just to cover expenses and we were truly leveraging the audiences we had and just to, to not make money directly, but to bring culture and bring key relationships into our life. But that definitely just speaking in phases now, 2017 was the year of just extreme growth regarding getting out there and going to Los Angeles and you know I probably went out to LA eight times that year and like I said missed weeks of school at times and that was the year of full commitment that completely changed my perspective on what I'm capable of, what I need to do, how I can continue to meet people and travel and it really led me towards the end of 2017 which after experiencing all that and you know I was like, hey, I want to write a book and start a podcast. And that's what I did towards the second half of 2017. And I I officially launched my podcast December, 2017. And it's definitely uh, spiraled into something much bigger.
0: Again, so many lessons here. Another one that I want to hammer in on is just showing up. It's one of the most simple things that you can do that will move the needle for you than any other simple thing that you can do. Have you seen Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Yeah so yeah, yes, yes <laughs> yeah, and, and, uh, and the the movie's obviously a total comedy, and it 's really silly, the whole premise yep. of saying yes to everything, but there is a magic in saying yes to everything when you're especially when you 're first getting started, like what you were saying it 's that level of commitment is what happens there's an energy shift that changes in your conscious and subconscious mind to like yep. go after this new thing full fledged and it 's the same exact thing that I did when I started, bro, like I just said yes to everything, you know, John Lee Dumas, one of my mentors. I remember talking with him and he was like, Oh, yeah. I asked him what podcasting events I should be at. He was like, Oh, yeah, you should go to this one. You should go to this one. He's like, Oh, and there's one in Australia that I'm speaking at this year, but you know, that's all the way in Australia. I don't expect you to go to that one. I was like, I'm down. I'm down. I booked tickets to Australia. I went out, I hung out with him. That's where I met like Jordan Harbinger Michael Neal, a couple other like really bigger podcasters in the yeah. space and like built relationships with them. It was just the fact that I was, I didn't know what I was saying yes to half the time, but I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there. You know what I mean? And like you said, when you start seeing people at the same events and like you start showing up all the time, and then, you know, I was in, I was in Vegas one time. I think this was like 2018 when I was first getting started. And um, I had a few conversations with Bradley at the time and we did an interview swap back then. And he had me on his show. I was on, and then he was on my show. And then I saw him at like five events, like back to back to back to back. And I was backstage at Thrive. And yeah. I was back there and he was like, "Charles, I see you at every event. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing? It literally was enough to make him engage with me and yeah. become even more engaged in a friendship that we still have now to this day was just the fact that my face was everywhere. Like you couldn't go to an industry event without seeing me there. You know what I mean? And, and like what sure. like, we're talking about, that level of commitment to just do those things, regardless of how uncomfortable it feels, regardless of like of how much you're spending on those things, even sometimes, like as long as you're being smart about it, Get there. Show up. Like, be there. Showing up is half the battle, half the time, man. So that was obviously a huge, a huge takeaway for what you did. Because like, this story can go any number of ways, right? Like that initial meeting that you had with Ty Lopez, right? Like this story could have like gone a variety of different ways, but because you chose to go about it the way that you did, it's now ending up with you in the position that you're in, which is 20 years old, a huge social media following, amazing relationships with some of the best business mentors in the world. You know what I mean? And, and you're 20. You got to show up. You got to be willing to show up. You got to raise that commitment level through the roof and just yeah. be there until it works, not if it works. Oh, so, yeah. so next phase then, Casey. So 2017, lots of learning and stuff. But this is still, you're like what, senior, junior in high school? Yeah, well, 2018 was a uh, senior year. 2018 senior year. So you're in school. If I put my brain in my 17-year-old body, I don't know how I would have been able to stay engaged in school at all. So, <laughs> Dude. You for like walking and getting a graduation cap and a diploma because like, I feel like it would have been really difficult for me.
1: No, it definitely was, man. It's one of those things that like leading into the like, second half of 2017, going into 2018. 2017, I started the podcast in December and going into senior year... I was, to be real, I like completely checked out. I was taking six classes. I dropped half of them. I was taking three classes. I was out of school at 9 a.m. every day. But on the flip side, and I always say this because I think it's important, I graduated with a 4.0 and I had great grades. And I wasn't just dropping classes to drop them and failing school. Like that was never my mentality, but I knew how to get by and be efficient, right? Sure. <laughs> and that's what I did. You know, going into 2018, and I always reference this because I think it's something that changed my perspective. I was. I like to say obsessed with like trying to get verified on Instagram because I knew I could connect with more people or slide in DMs. And that happened at January 2nd, 2018, like right after I launched my podcast, my buddy helped me get it done. And I just became obsessed with sending DMs and reaching out and asking for, you know, a couple key people to be on my podcast. And one of the first moments that I'll always remember that led into something much bigger. And this is something in a story I tell all the time where it's, it's, it shows the proof of how much a podcast can do. So one of my, I would say like top people that as a younger individual that was watching MTV and super in touch with like culture, I always used to watch this TV show called Robin Big and Rob Dyrdek's Fantasy Factory. And Drama, Chris Drama fact, the founder of Young and Reckless, he was someone that was on that show. He's Rob Dyrdek's cousin. And I always used to wear Young and Reckless. And I was like, hmm, I started this podcast. Like, what are the odds if I dm Drama. He would get back to me and want to be in my podcast because he has a podcast, and I was starting to, you know, see who in the industry that I could have on the show and reach out to him. It's the first time I ever reached out to him, but you know, to my point though, I've been spending years building a brand and cultivating a following, and I positioned myself really well on social media where I had some leverage, which is super important to stand out from the crowd. And I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, drama. um, I just launched my podcast. I'd love to have you on as one of the first twenty-five guests on the show." Literally, the first time I ever reached out to him, he got back to me. He was like, "Let's do it," and I'm just like, "Okay, this is insane. This is yeah. someone that I've watched on TV since I was nine years old." And long story short, I remember facetime or not face-timing, um, like doing a Zoom call with him in my bedroom in Virginia. I'm 17 at the time, and he's taking 30 minutes out of his day to talk to me, and it's someone that I watched on TV like for literally years. And it was in that moment, and I always say that specifically because it showed me wow, like you should have no barrier of saying, who can I get on my show? And it completely broke my barrier of like, oh, I can't get that person. I can't get that person. It's like
0: unlocking a new level. You know what I mean? Like you, like you, you open the door and you're like, oh, I can be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's totally media exists on this level. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it was the beginning half of 2018 where I went from launching my podcast in 20, like, like December, 2017 to doing, it was like 90 interviews in the first like 60 days or something of 2018, where I just became obsessed. I was doing two a days and sometimes three days I was getting home from school and going into my room and just doing interviews, booking interviews. And It went from, you know, interviewing uh, my good friend, Kieran and Jeff, to reaching out to Andy Russella and getting a yes and reaching out to drama and getting a yes. And then shooting Gary V a message on Instagram and him sending me a pair of K-Swiss shoes. And then he's like, come out to New York for five minutes. I'd love to get to know you. So then I skip a a couple days of school, fly up to New York, meet Gary Vee. And he's, you know, just that whole experience of going to VaynerMedia and meeting him and talking to his team. It just... I met so many key people. And like I said, I became obsessed with turning the social digital interaction to something real. So this is something that I always pull. I, I end up going to LA one time and I think it was for like a couple of days I maybe was going to an event. This was like summer of 2018. It's hilarious where I was about to leave that day, but I'm like, I DM drama again. And remember, I haven't, I haven't met him in person. He's someone that I just look to as like a mentor homie on social media where I'm like, Hey drama. And this is like a Thursday probably. And or no, it's probably like a Saturday, Sunday after being in school Monday. That's what it was. Hey, drama, um, I'll be in LA for the next couple of days, quote unquote, uh, I'd love to swing by the office and maybe do like, you know, a little, another interview or shoot a piece of content that I could drop on social. And he's like, for sure, let's do Tuesday at one. And remember, I, I'm a senior in high school and I'm, I'm always trying to be respectful of my parents and be back at on Monday to go to school and do that whole thing. And he says, yeah, Tuesday works. So I'm like, oh my God. So I end up calling my mom, like, mom, Like Drama invited me to his office Monday. I'm really trying to, you know, go do this interview, whatever it is, et cetera. And she's like, No, absolutely not. Like, shutting it down. Where she's like, No, that's not happening. And then it was something where I just completely missed my flight. My mom was pissed off at me. And Tuesday comes around. I go to the office and Drama and I end up FaceTiming my mom. Because something else came up where Gerard Adams was having this charity event. It was $1,000. I already sent Gerard the money. I was like, hey, I'm coming to your charity event because I want to meet this guy, Ryan Blair, who's one of my favorite authors and now mentors of mine. I paid for the charity event. It was the night, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, or Wednesday night. And long story short, my mom's already like so fed up with me. But she can't do anything because I'm in L.A. and I'm, you know, doing for the right reason, I'm staying out there to enhance my career. And my mom and I joke about this all the time now. But my Drama FaceTimes my mom and was just like, Mrs. Adams. And my mom answers and like freaks out because she's a huge fan. And was like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. And Drama's like, we had a great meeting, great time. But I have to ask you something. And young Casey needs to stay in LA another day to go to this charity event. And long story short, he ends up selling her. And it's this whole funny story that's on YouTube. We documented the whole thing. And I go to this charity event. And then, boom, I come home Thursday, and I pretty much missed a whole week of school. And I tell that story because I was so obsessed with capitalizing on those moments of when someone says, yes, I don't want to be the person to reschedule. When someone says, hey, Tuesday at 1 works, even if it's a 30-minute meeting that someone else might look at as, hey, that's not going to be valuable for you long term. I'll tell more about the story. But it was, and it was doing those things that you know probably wasn't the best for my mom and I's relationship. That got her pissed off. But it was truly great for my career and my network. That really taught me like what separates people is saying yes to those things when you have so many reasons to say no. To hop on the flight, to go back home. To why would I reschedule my flight and lose a two hundred bucks to change it? Like just saying yes, 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 to your point has always been something that I've been super consistent with. And like looking back and telling this journey, I wasn't aware of it at the time, like, you know, two years ago, I wasn't aware that I was taking advantage of these opportunities like that. It was just something that was innate in me and I was following my gut and I was going with what felt right. And that relationship with drama led In 2019, last year, me and Drama co-hosted two events. We had Robert Greene and Rob Dyrdek and the CEO of um, Revolve, which is a publicly traded company. And all these high-level speakers, we did an event together. And I remember the day that Drama texted me. He was like, yo, I saw you doing some events. I'd love to partner up and do an event with you. And long story short, I got really close to the whole Young and Reckless team. We've had 500 people at both events. And I was the host with him and got to meet Rob. And it was like the craziest Experiences of my life where I got to actually, you know, embark upon this business venture and build this event and schedule this lineup and bring in sponsors with someone that I looked at as crazy to connect with on social media. And it started with the podcast. And that's one of the stories that really evolved into a much more deeper relationship that led to so many different things. And I think that, you know, it's those stories. And I could keep going on and on, but it's those stories that really make me look back and realize the impact of a podcast and connecting with people because they lead to so many things, but you may not be aware of it at the time.
0: Well, you know, we could not be more on the same page with that. You know, this (laughs) is Build Your Network. And I'm also a podcast coach and consultant. And uh, you know that we agree on all of those things, man. We could probably keep talking about this thing for hours. But if we don't cut it off on purpose, then it probably won't happen. So (laughs) I do want to ask you this question, then we're going to get into our last segment here. Who you know? Or what you know, Casey, which of those two is more important and why?
1: Here's my in-between there. It's it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you. Because there's a big difference in those two, you know, those two phrases. And I think it's equally as important to, to know people, to have a great network. But if you call someone, who picks up? If you, you know, are at an event, you see someone, who actually remembers you? Who is, you know, like who is someone you consider... Close and someone you can ask questions to. And I think, you know, to answer, answer the question directly, absolutely it's who you know. Because if you have quality people in your life that know more than you, you can learn from them quicker and more effectively than anything else, right? If I go online and look up how to have the best interview, how to ask the right question versus going to Larry King and saying, hey, Larry King. What makes a great interview? What makes a great conversation? How did you build a career in broadcasting over 60 years and over 60,000 interviews? Like for me you just learn so much through questions with people that have already done it. And, you know, that's a cliche thing to say, but it's, it's went from me asking questions to people on social media to now sitting down with same people like you when it comes to legendary people, whether that's Larry King or Rick Ross or Robert Greene or people in all different fields. You know, I've had five billionaires on my show and I always ask them like, hey, what was that pivoting point where you started thinking about, you know, being worth a billion dollars because, like, you know, you hear all the time that there's a big difference between a million and a billion, and that's, that speaks for itself. And for me, it's absolutely about who you know, because you can learn so much from the people you know.
0: Skip the learning curve. Skip the <laughs> learning curve, man. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta shorten that runway, and I couldn't agree more. Let's go ahead and move on. Last segment here, something like to call the random round. Just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. You ready? Yep. What profession, other than your own, do you think that it would just be fun to attempt?
1: This is actually hilarious. So I've always been a big golfer. And when I was back home in Virginia, I was playing golf with my brothers. My brother was out here. We were playing a lot of golf. And I planned over the next couple of years, really golf more. And the more I think about it, like I read the statistic, it was actually I read it yesterday about professional golfers, where the average winner of the PGA or whatever it is, like the top 20 or whatever, would win like $4 million on average. And if you have a stroke higher than that, you could technically lose $1.2 million because anyone that's above par, like there's a huge difference. And in long story short, it talks about this, the value of being precise. And I think golf is something that I've always gravitated towards outside of other professional sports. But nowadays, I think golf would be a super cool industry because it's classy. There's a networking aspect of it. You can have conversations on the golf course and it's something that you can play forever. My grandfather always taught me that, right? I grew up playing yeah, golf and I mean, you yeah. can play when you're seven or 70. And I think I'll always play golf. And I think, you know, I wasn't expecting to answer it like that, but that was what where my oh, mind good. went. <laughs> yeah, bro.
0: That's a good answer. My grandpa always said the same thing. He's going to be 90 in like a couple months. And, uh, wow. I'll go play nine holes with me anytime. Yeah, crazy.
1: See, That's so cool.
0: Yeah, can't play pickup basketball, but... <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? It's a
1: very, very great question. I think if I, if I had to choose present, it would have to be Elon Musk. That's one of my goals, just because he's someone that, you know, you see his interviews and the way he communicates and how he talks about the future. And when he talks about things like Mars or Neuralink, where you can download music into your brain, like he's being 100% certain with these words. And I think having a conversation with him would only expand my mind so much that, you know, sitting down at a bench with him would be very, very astronomical to my growth as a person. And I plan to do that sometime. So that would be the answer to the present.
0: (laughs) How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos?
1: So, I've never been someone that listens to audiobooks. I'm a huge podcaster and I'm a huge reader. And, like, even nowadays, like I told one of my uh, my roommate the other day because I sat down and I watched like three YouTube videos back to back. And I never genuinely watch that many YouTube videos, like, you know, just because. And I, like every day I have my podcasts that I listen to. Some of my favorite ones are Snacks Daily by Robin Hood, which is like a financial news breakdown. Super good. I love this podcast called group chat which is hosted by drama d murthy and anand murthy where it's like business and culture and you know like pop culture relevant news but they do it in a cool way and they also bring on different people and do interviews but yeah i would say podcasting is a huge medium of the content i consume and i think too something recently now that spotify just released their top podcast charts i've never been someone that genuinely experiments with that many podcasts if i listen to one i'm loyal to it where nowadays I'm trying to really experiment with different shows that I listen to and, you know, the recommendations because I came across some really good ones that I'm now like, hmm, why didn't I listen to this before? And it, it's super cool to, you know, tiptoe into di- different industries and the different shows.
0: Give us a glimpse of your morning routine.
1: This is actually such a great question because I'm actually, um, I've been doing 75 hard. If, are you familiar with that? So Andy Frisella, for everyone that doesn't know, he has this program called 75 hard, which is a mental discipline challenge which is 75 days and you have to do five things. One is a 45 minute workout outside, drink a gallon of water, take an accountability picture, another workout for 45 minutes, and then read 10 pages. And you have to have no cheat meals and no alcohol. So over the last 74 days, I'm on day 74 right now. I've been doing that every single day. And last year I tried to do it. I failed at day 33. And I'm actually, I'm super excited because I'm about to make a post about this tomorrow. So people will see this after this drops because Over the last 74 days, the world has been insane. I started this the day my gym opened back up after the first quarantine here in Arizona. And, you know, I'm expecting to hit the gym every day because the gyms are open. And just, you know, to speed up the answer, over the last 74 days, here's what's happened. I hit the first like 35 days in Arizona. The gym was great. It's been open the whole time. I was going to go back to Arizona. I mean, to to Virginia for seven days to visit my family, my brother's birthday, Father's Day. I was going to pop out there and come back, hit the gym there and, you know, stay on this routine. (laughs) It's hilarious. I get there six days. uh, I'm in Virginia. We go to visit my aunt in North Carolina for like a day or two. So like, you know, I extended my trip a day or two, but I'm doing these outdoor workouts. I'm hitting the gym in Charlotte. I get back to Virginia And my aunt goes, yeah, I don't feel that good. And long story short, she tested positive for coronavirus. So before I leave, my entire family and I have to get tested. And I actually tested positive for COVID-19. So did my mom. My two brothers and dad didn't. So now my six day trip turned into pretty much a 30, 35 day trip stuck in Virginia. Can't leave the house. Can't go to the gym. So I'm hitting these outdoor workouts. Have to be very cautious. You know, I can't go to the gym. So I have to do my work workouts upstairs in my old bedroom. And I just, you know, can't go to the gym and I'm in this environment that I can't control versus being in, you know, my apartment in Scottsdale where I have full control over my environment. So just to make that answer long, it's this program in my daily routine has consisted of like the last 74 days, probably for about 60 of them, waking up at 445, I go on my walk right away, I get back, knock out my reading, drinking my water throughout that process and then get on with my work day, whether that's interviewing people or dealing with clients or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I, the last 74 days have been more dialed in on this program than ever before. And I can confidently say like this morning routine has been something that I've been so consistent with the last 74 days that I'm about to do a whole post on the value of 75 r to me because it's absolutely changed my level of discipline and commitment for sure.
0: What is your go-to pump-up song?
1: The song that I always listen to as I'm taking off on my flight every time haven't missed it since probably 2018 is it's a song by russ is he's a rapper it's called the journey and it was this song that he talks about the journey is everything and about not focusing on the destination and russ is one of my favorite rappers and he, he he's very lyrical and has great music so and i want to manifest this and say i plan to have him on the podcast soon because he's a Huge inspiration to me.
0: No doubt that you'll get them on, especially after Rick Ross and a couple other people. (laughs) What's one thing that you're not very good at, Casey?
1: For example, I haven't owned a car in the past year and a half since I moved to Scottsdale. I was like, hey, I'm going to move there. I'll get a car eventually, just haven't gotten one because I was traveling so much and more gone than not. Where sometimes I get into Ubers so much and prior to COVID, where I was not always the best with directions, but that has since I would say change because I made it an effort. But especially when I, when I first started going to LA, I would just hop in the Uber, get on my phone and be productive during that time where I soon began to realize like, wow, I've been here 30 times and I'm still not where, not sure what time to take. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I would say directions, since I I don't yeah. drive
0: that often. As we get everything wrapped up here, man. Last question: What's one place online where listeners can go to connect with you the most?
1: Instagram is the best place. My username is just at Casey. I try to you know continue to do what I preach, which is I respond to DMs and I DM people, and I always try to send a video message and be responsive with my audience because that's the foundation that I built my audience on, and I always try to continue to you know tell people like hey if you're listening to this reach out to me on instagram tell me that you came from this podcast because then i'll automatically have rapport with you right so definitely instagram is the best place you can find out about all the podcasts that i'm doing on rise the young But uh, yeah, definitely check
0: it out. So at Casey over on Instagram, go check out some of the stuff he's putting out over there. Also go subscribe to his podcast. If you're listening to this right now, pull up whatever podcast app you're listening to, head over, subscribe to Rise of the Young. Like we talked about, he's got some of the most incredible interviews over there. We didn't even talk about like how to book good guests and stuff like that, but it'd be a great conversation. He's had Rick Ross, he's had Larry King and a lot of the top entrepreneurs and people that you've heard here on this show. So make sure to go over, show some love um, over on Rise of the Young with Casey Adams. Casey, thanks so much for coming on the show today, brother. Always a great time talking
1: with you. Yep,
0: thanks so much, Travis. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high-quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking, there's monthly calls, there's accountability crews, and more. All for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to BYNInnerCircle.com to jump in. That's BYNInnerCircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.